Welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And you're listening to our weekly segment called The 5-Minute Pick-Me-Up, where we tell you stories to hopefully motivate you for the week to come. And today's story is going to be about what happened or some of the things that I learned after getting the chance to meet a bunch of members of the Wu-Tang Clan. What? What? Dude, how did you do that? I mean, well, I know, obviously, but tell our audience. Well, I got lucky. So I have a good friend named Egal, and he is actually a producer in the entertainment industry. And he gets a vote in the Emmys. And so when you get to vote in the Emmys, you get invited to a bunch of screenings, essentially, to look at the shows, hear from the director and some of the actors, and hopefully grant them a vote once award season comes. So I've gone to a bunch of these events, and on Monday he actually invited me to an event of a docuseries on Showtime that's, I think actually coming out this week, called Of Mikes and Men. And it's about how the Wu-Tang Clan came together in the 90s and rose to prominence and and whatever happened with them throughout their careers. Of course, they're still very relevant. So uh, one of the few hip-hop bands that have been able to retain their brand. And so the way that these events typically work is you come in, you sit in the theater of about 200 people, you go and watch the episode of whatever the show is, and then afterwards they bring out the director, usually some kind of moderator, this time it was a podcast host, and a bunch of the actors on the stage, and they go through like a little panel discussion in front of the audience. By the way, obviously not everybody gets to go to these events, like Vadim said, because our friend is a producer, he gets invited because he has a vote in the Emmys, and Luckily, Vadim is a friend, and sometimes he invites him to tag along because Vadim has an interesting background that he could have a, interesting conversations with these people in the entertainment industry. Yeah, I'm, the, of course, the plus one, so um, I guess I'm the, I'm the eye candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, it, it's really fun to go to these events, obviously. Whenever I get an invitation, I typically move my plans around and, and go, since it's not that often you get an opportunity to rub shoulders with these people. This time I went, and it was actually really, really cool and I wanted to share with you guys what I learned from that experience. First of all, the story of the Wu-Tang Clan is amazing. I encourage all of you guys to watch uh, the docuseries of Mikes and Men. Uh, The director, Sasha, did a really great job of bringing the band together and kind of go through their whole history because it was nine people that came from the hood of Staten Island, Brooklyn, all these different areas from poverty, and were all united with their talent and love for hip-hop and how they came together and actually created a business out of it is a really cool story but there was one moment in the story that to me is really relevant probably for a lot of us and that's how to create a little bit of an unfair advantage or at the very least how to create demand for something because in the 90s when the Wu-Tang Clan came together they weren't the only show in town now of course they were very selective of the type of the talent that they brought on so they had some of the best MCs in the world But still, nobody knew them. As a matter of fact, a lot of them were still doing different side jobs. Some of those side jobs involved selling drugs because crack cocaine was a huge industry in the 90s, especially in New York. And so some of them still had to do that work, those side gigs, if you will. Of course, a lot of them ended up in jail because of that, were in and out of jail. But still, they were incredibly talented. And when they came out with their record, they ended up hiring their, I think there was a cousin, to be their band manager. They literally asked them to quit his job as a bus driver in New York City to do this for them for a year. And they said, look, it's not that risky. It's just for a year. If it doesn't work out, you know, we'll go from there. And he trusted them because he knew that they were talented. And so he just got to work. And this guy would just push, 
push, push until he got yeses from people. He would literally go to radio DJs in the 90s, show up at the door with their tracks and ask them to play it until he got somebody to agree to play it. And at one point, he actually did get them on a pretty big radio show to where they started getting a little bit of recognition. But even then, it's not like people were knocking on their doors like record labels. They still have to do more pushing. So they wanted to get their product anywhere where people listen to music. And of course, at the time, record stores was a big place where people discovered music. So what he did is he would go to a record store and he found out that, you know, if he just tried to pitch directly to the owner, if they didn't like hip hop or they didn't know about the Wu-Tang Clan, which they obviously didn't, even though they were on the radio a little bit, he would have a very hard time. So he started creating a little bit of artificial demand. He would actually have a friend that would walk in sometime during his pitch to the owner of the record store and they would bug the employees asking for that new Wu-Tang album, which of course they didn't carry. And then he would have another friend come in and do the same thing. And at one point, he remembers he had two people coming in, one after the other, about 15, 20 minutes uh, apart. And then the third person came in that was actually looking for the record. And so it started to work because at the end of that meeting, that was when he sold his first box of records to his first record store. And so he decided, you know what, let me replicate this. So at this point, they were booking gigs all down the East Coast. And every time they would go to a new city, he would go to every single record store in that city and replicate the same exact move. Inflating demand by having his friends actually talk about it. So great example of how no matter how great your product is and your product does have to be great, when no one knows you or no one cares about you, you have to create that demand in the beginning. And Vadim and I, perfect example, earlier this week we were featured on the front page of the Harvard Business Review for an article that we wrote and to somebody from the outside, it might seem like, wow, these guys got super lucky, but that's not the case at all. Some of you that listen to the show might know that we met one of the editors from Harvard Business Review at an event. We made sure to talk to her. We made sure to tell her about us and then follow up after the event. We kept pushing afterwards. And to get to this stage where we've now published three articles, it took months of work. And in between articles, it even took months of pitching oh, yeah. editors. So we constantly, even now, have to follow up and ask people for things to create that demand for our expertise and the kind of content we create here in The Mentors. Exactly. I mean, it's all about cultivating relationships and it never really stops. Even when other people might think from the outside that you're successful or look at this, you're getting all this visibility, it still takes a lot of pushing. I remember LeVar Burton, who was on our show, talked about that with creating his acting career. Yeah, sure, he was on Star Trek and reading Rainbow, but to stay relevant, you still have to continue to push. And actually, that's what was so cool about this event that I attended. So as I said, after the docuseries was featured that episode. They had a RZA, Ghostface Killer, Sasha, the, the director, and a, a few other of the Wu-Tang Clan members on stage. And then afterwards, there's a networking event and a mixer. And with some of these, you go to them, the talent just kind of leaves off stage and you don't see them anymore and the producers and everybody just kind of networks afterwards. It's usually at this point, like nine o'clock in the evening where you probably want to go home, right? And it's a Monday too, yeah. So, and, and especially with these actors and celebrities if they're on like a road show a lot of them just peace out but what i loved about what happened in this particular event is afterwards all the wu-tang clan guys actually went into the mixer and networked with everybody there because you never know who they're going to meet there's producers there there's talent uh, agents there's scouts there's just a bunch of different relevant people from the industry that might be great connections for them in the future if not now and you could tell that rizza was the leader of the Wu-Tang Clan for a reason because this guy knows that you have to put in the time and 
He's a super tall guy, actually. And I remember when I was walking by him at the event, I was carrying a glass of wine. He was carrying a glass of wine. And I shook his hand and told him, great job. That was a that was a really cool episode. And you guys did an awesome job on stage. And the first thing he said to me is, oh, that's a dope blazer, man. I love your blazer. Which, you know, obviously I was gushing for like... Melting. We <laughs> talked about it every day the last week. <laughs> I did, yeah. It was a really cool compliment for him to give me, but... There was just like this intimate moment that he created with a complete stranger. He doesn't know who I am, but he was doing that the whole night. And he stayed till the very end when the crowd was thinning out about an hour later. Uh, and those guys were just out there doing the work, connecting with people because they understand that even if you reach certain level of success, in order to stay relevant, you still have to continue to show up. You still have to do the work. And even if people from the outside might think that things come easily to people that already had certain advantages or have experienced certain level of success, it's kind of naive to think because in order to get what you want, in order to continue moving forward, you still have to create opportunities for yourself. Great story about how when no one cares about you in the beginning, sometimes you do have to create that demand, even if a little bit artificially. But the folks that are successful are the ones that continue doing this throughout the years, even when they do get that level of fame and success, because that, that's fickle and it can fade. And Riza, if you and any other Wu-Tang Clan members want to come on the show for a full episode, we'd freaking love to have you guys. You guys are awesome. That's it for the 5-Minute Pick-Me-Up, and we'll see you on Wednesday.